Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Retired Supreme Court of Canada Justice Thomas Cromwell is tasked with reviewing Hockey Canada, and he urged the next board of directors be engaged with only a one-year term, so to come to terms with the need to reform the organization. In a letter to then-Hockey Canada CEO Scott Smith, Justice Cromwell on October the 10th wrote, There can be no serious debate that the level of confidence in Hockey Canada on the part of the government, sponsors, some members, and the broader public has sunk to dangerously low levels. And, you know, former sponsors of Hockey Canada, including Tim Hortons and Scotiabank and TELUS, they're calling for a culture change, but it's not just Hockey Canada. There are other sports organizations that need to be looked at as well. As our guest has told us, Alison Forsyth is back with us. Former Olympic skier, she was sexually assaulted by her coach. And this is what absolutely stuns me. Urged then to keep quiet in a hotel room, sitting on a bed with her attacker in the room, urged to keep quiet by the coach and Alpine Canada in order for the organization to not lose sponsorships. Allison, thanks for coming back. Each time I think of what happened to you, I can't imagine the gall, the sense of uh, omnipotence, and just the brutality of that moment. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, Roy, because I was the one that blew the whistle in our case. Therefore, I was the one that was subjected to that. There was other victims literally there at the time who, um, you know, they weren't vocal about what had happened at that point to whom they need to be vocal to. Um, and I, and so, you know, I took a lot of that trauma on, on our behalf. And I think the big message there was, it was an obvious, you know, infraction on, on my rights and coercion on top of, you know, I think many victims, if not all, I don't want to speak for them all, of course, have a very astounding level of shame and self blame in these circumstances already. Um, but if nothing else, it really points to the absolute necessity for complaints within the Canadian sports system around abuse and maltreatment to be independent of the organization itself. What's your view of the developments at Hockey Canada so far? So, you know, what are we, October 16th right now? And yes. I, I won't flash back to the amount of times we've spoken about this, but it took too long um, to get to where we are. And unfortunately, what I know about what it means to shift cultures in sports, because I'm in this work every day with all organizations of different levels, is that also will take time. Um, So I'm a little discouraged um, just by, you know, asking, I think, a question I'm hearing a lot in in social media and on media. I have the same question as, well, who's choosing these new people, right? Um, How do we know that they're ethical and, and they're the right people to be making these new choices? Um, and to actually assess the grassroots level of the hockey culture in Canada um, to the point it needs to be affected is going to require all coaches, all parents, all administrators to start the change at all levels. If we sit back and wait for Hockey Canada to dictate right down to my local hockey organization what needs to happen, we are waiting too long. So there's personal responsibility on all of us to make that change happen. I'm going to be taking calls on this question a little bit later this hour, but I just want to run it by you. I had a conversation a couple of days ago with the father of a 12-year-old hockey player, 
And the dad said to me, I'm going to pull my son out of hockey this year because of what took place at Hockey Canada or what may still be taking place at Hockey Canada. I don't trust the organization. I don't want my son to have anything to do with it. I'm paraphrasing. But I, and he said, I'm telling my son why I'm doing it. I'm explaining every step of the way to him. I'll let him play any other sport he wants, but he still wants to play hockey. So I tweeted this out at the Roy Green Show a little earlier today, and it's unanimous, at least the, the, the responses I've heard. The dad is wrong. What do you think? Mm. I am mindful, of course, to not step into anyone else's parenting choices. Um, being a mom of three young hockey players, it is a challenging environment um, for any parent in sport right now around making sure their child is protected. Um, and I feel that not saying he's wrong or right, I do feel there is an opportunity for parents to do their due diligence to ensure their own child is protected and gets to enjoy the, the sport they love without that level of um, taking a stand. Um, and of course, this gentleman has every right to make his own decisions as of a minor that's his child. Um, and for me, it, it looks more like teaching my children what respect looks like, why they're not any more special than any other child, that they're, you know, there's no superiority in hockey and they treat each other, their coaches, the referees with respect and kindness. And, and as silly as that may sound to people, but that is where this progression towards maltreatment starts. Um, it starts with, you know, children and parents, to be honest, putting up with behaviors and um, abusive tendencies that they normally wouldn't put up with outside of sports. So that's where we need to stand up, each and every one of us, and shift in the actual behaviors that are being exhibited at the rinks. And Allison, we, we need to remember that um, it was a junior hockey team, junior national hockey team. So kids, essentially, I mean, they're teenagers, they're in the late teens, but it was kids who were just a few years earlier were the same age as the son of this father I talked to. And, and somewhere along the line, uh, no message was sent to them or the wrong message was sent to them or the, the wrong green lights were lit for them. And, and I just wonder whether, and, and you have experience in this because you now mm -hmm. deal with sports organizations as far as uh, safety in, uh, in sport is concerned mm -hmm. through your organization. Um, are we going to get, I mean, what do we need to do at the, at the organizational level and at the community level to get to the kids? Well, first we need to get to the kids. And by that, I mean we need to trust that we can speak to children at all ages about this topic in a respectful way. And, of course, it'll have to be done differently based on the age of the child. But you know what really you know, makes me sad um, is that, and I will you know, forgive my language here, but I am, I'm very confident that these parents of these young men that, you know, I'll say allegedly perpetrated this act, did not think they were raising young men that would do that. So I do think that the fault lies largely in the system of hockey and the system of sport. We see sexual violence um, and sexual misconduct across the landscape, a lot of intercollegiate issues within the sport of football coming out of the U.S., major cases of you know, athlete protections and athlete superiority. So at some point, probably, you know, I would say unconsciously, these young men started to be treated with as gods, as this godlike complex of, you know, this attitude that the only thing that's important in sport is to win. Mm -hmm. um, and if we continue along with that attitude and we start, we keep forgiving boundary transgressions and microaggressions and all of these things that contribute to maltreatment, we will continue to raise young athletes that could perpetrate that. You know, they're not born this way. They are raised in a system 
that somehow along the line they started to think that these types of behavior were acceptable. Yeah, and a bunch of them. I mean, yeah, it, it wasn't one or two, and it wasn't just one year. So it was, it really was endemic in that in that organization and other organizations. Actually, whatever happened with Alpine Canada and your in your case, how was that resolved? Oh. Yeah, so we're still working through that. I mean, I'll say one thing I'll say is I have respect for the organization now and what they are doing. They have hired a specific, very strong person who comes from a huge background in safeguarding um, to actually work within safe sport within their organization. So um, the organization is doing probably, I would say, better than most NSOs now. I just think it's unfortunate that it took the gravity of a case like ours to make that shift happen. So my number one message is if you are an organization that hasn't had a major, what we would say is a major case roll through, um, do your due diligence now. I'm, I'm very tired of you know, getting calls for us to come in and do work to make organizations safer on behalf of their participants after victimization, whether that's a victimization of a member of a public or a player or a coach, any participant within their organization. So it's critical to know that no organization is exempt from any of these problems. And if an organization is sitting here right now saying, well, we don't have any safe sport issues, it's not because they don't. That is statistically impossible. Um, it is because they do not have the proper mechanisms in place in order to, for, for um, victims to understand what maltreatment is and feel empowered to come forward and report it. So the catch here, Roy, is that organizations doing the right thing in the short term will make them look bad. So we need to remember that. In the short term, when they start to acknowledge abuse and it may get public in the media and they do their due diligence to prosecute the offenders within their own organization, that is going to be a reputational risk that they need to take and they need to respect that that has to happen. Once you put us in place, to be honest, if you were to hire our company, once we're there to independently manage your complaints, the first thing we say is you need to get ready because complaints are going to start to roll in. So it takes courage and progression and that is truly, we need to be able to expose the issue before we can fix the problem. And your company is ITP Sport, and you can find uh, the website is itpsport.ca. And uh, mm -hmm. Allison is the chief operating officer, and it's ITP Sport and Recreation. Now, you work with Soccer Canada. How's the, how do you approach an organization with uh, such a wide uh, national presence and a growing presence and a grassroots activity level that is probably rivals hockey and baseball in this country. Yeah, you know, from a participant basis, it's actually the largest. Um, you know, that's a statistic I didn't create, but there's almost a million participants in soccer. So here's here's the challenge with most national sporting organizations in our country is the systemic um, lineup, I'll say, to, from a grassroots level to the NSO can be very vast and very disorganized. What you cannot do is expect the telephone tag to work, where a national sporting organization sends out an email, expects everyone to read it, etc. So our approach to soccer at this point is to, you know, there was a McLaren report around some challenges they needed to clean up at the high performance level, so we need to do that. And then we are in contact with every single executive director, which is the leader of all the provincial organizations, um, to find out what that level needs. But the big thing here that I think is absolutely necessary for all sports is a public interface where a parent can go on and do their certifications, where coaches and organizations can pull their policies. It needs to be public. 
It needs to be a place where people can go. Right now, safe sport is done behind closed doors. Even if it has the best intention, if you would miss one email from the governance above you, you may miss a very strong action you're supposed to take. So that's why we need to bring it more into the public eye where parents, coaches, administrators can all not only be accessing safe sport practices, but scrutinizing um, what is happening in their sport and filing complaints. So that's, that's key for me in this, Roy, is we never will get to every participant if it's through other people. It has to be a simple um, you know, website, as an example, that people can log on to to learn, educate, and, and take care of themselves. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.